The Start On Demand. On demand. Sidewalks and snow. It has been a messy and tough winter for those trying to keep the sidewalks clean and for those who need to use them. So today we chatted with Mayor Brian Bowman. We had our monthly visit with the mayor, talked to him about clearing the sidewalks, and we spoke to a family whose daughter has a wheelchair and they say it's been a really tough go this season. We continued our two-week health series today, which focuses on mental health and today's topic, alcohol consumption, the rise in drinking over the course of the pandemic, and its links to cancer. And do you ever find yourself asking, why the heck did I just do that? We had a lot of fun today talking about the mindless and dumb things that we do sometimes. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, January 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as mentioned, it is super windy once again. And we had a super windy day last week that created all kinds of problems on the highways and uh, GMAC we've already gotten a few text messages from people out in the roads reporting on the conditions absolutely Brett Uh, good morning to you I went out onto the perimeter just to see how bad it might be and well the texts uh, reflect my observations Uh, Vince says visibility zero at times south of Winnipeg the wind is howling another text tells us good morning 50 kilometers per hour and four ways on all the way from about Highway 13 east to the city on Highway Number 1. And in this or that listener's perspective, just as bad as Friday. So we'd like to know what you're seeing on the highways, 204-780-6868, when you can do so safely. And uh, Loren, Brett, we also have a situation inside the city with the Disraeli Freeway. Yeah, just looking late at- last night. Sorry, I jump in then. Uh, late last night, police reported that they had closed Israeli northbound at Logan due to a serious motor vehicle collision. And then, uh, oh, just about 15 minutes before we came on air, a report from the text line. Police have southbound Henderson at Hespler closed. So I know that Jeff Forche comes that way into the station. And Jeff, your cab was rerouted uh, from taking southbound Israeli, correct? Yes, I'd take uh, Hespler to uh, Redwood to Maine. Okay, now it looks like uh, Jeff Bronze is telling us that uh, uh, police have told global or our colleagues at Global TV that the, the road is uh, just reopened. So if you can okay. let us know at 204-780-6868, if you happen to be going through there, uh, what the situation is on that. But it, it basically it looks like it might be uh, another hairy morning Um because that wind, I woke up this morning, Loren, and all I could hear was that wind howling once again. And I thought, oh, come on, I know it was, well, I we knew knew it was coming. Well, we too good to be true, right? There was the forecast of possibly hitting zero this morning, but the wind would be with it. And so I think we all were feeling like the, no matter what the warm-up was, it would come with this wind. So 30 gusting to 50 this afternoon. The wind chills minus 33 this morning. You still have that risk of frostbite, risk of frostbite tonight as well. So whatever the temperature is, 
I think the message is to maybe just ignore that today and focus on that wind because that wind's going to be a problem for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the hourly breakdown from Environment Canada, and it looks like we could see uh, hover around zero for two hours. So they're, right now they've got it at 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. It should be zero with the wind at that point, southwest 30 to 50 kilometers an hour. But then uh, right around 3 o'clock, I guess, is when the wind might shift to the northwest and start to go back down for that uh, overnight low of minus, what did Kayla say, low of minus 20 uh, tonight. So uh, it's going to be a windy day, messy potentially on the highways. I don't see any cancellations yet, so we will keep an eye on that uh, to see if anything is going to be affected. Also today, Loren, we are speaking of snow and and blowing snow. Uh, One of the, the primary things we'll be discussing today is our sidewalks. Yeah, and we've had this conversation a few times already this winter because people have expressed concerns with just how well or not well the sidewalks have been cleared and and what we want listeners to try to think about this morning is okay so you can find other ways around that you can say no big deal it's winter in winnipeg it's it's something we've dealt with before and that might be all true for many of us but try to imagine the scenario if you're not able-bodied if you have to be someone who can't get out because of snow clearing efforts maybe can't even get out your door because of the way things are maybe you're in a wheelchair and you have to move to the streets which we know isn't safe so after nine o'clock we're going to talk to a mom and dad whose daughter is in a wheelchair and and the message they have about just how hard it is to get her out get her out with her respite worker to just get her out for her mental health when the sidewalk clearing efforts aren't amazing. So we're going to chat about that at 6.30. We're also going to talk to the mayor about it with our monthly visit with the mayor at 7.45. And then again, uh, this mom and dad will visit with us just after 9. And uh, a lot of people say, well, why don't we just get more? Because I have this conversation uh, a few times with uh, some friends, and they say, why why does the city not just get more sidewalk plows? But, but Greg, they're, they're not cheap. No, they're not. I'm looking at uh, something called the – it's a trackless vehicle – MT7. It uh, looks to be built in the United States. It looks familiar. I think it might be very similar to the to the mini little trucks that they run on the sidewalks. It's got the power plant in behind it. It's sort of articulated. It's got a cab on it, so there's heat for the driver. And then they can mount different uh, machinery on it, including a snowplow uh, in front. And I saw found an RFP from uh, a city in Michigan, <laughs> and the base price for this. A vehicle is $137,000 plus US, and then you need all the different attachments. So it could very easily run into about $200,000 by the time you add the plow, and maybe if you wanted the salt sanding uh, attachment as well. So there are different uh, configurations of these vehicles. So the vehicles themselves are not inexpensive. This is not bu- going to Canadian Tire and buying a couple of snowblowers. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, some serious equipment involved here and then of course you need the you need the the people to operate them but you know is it a commitment or is it not a commitment is this a level of service that we're intent on providing in the city or are we just sort of you know uh, going yeah you know what it's good enough well i don't know if it's good enough for a lot of people and i think you had some tremendous observations in our discussion this morning and i hope we'll get around to hearing from your point of view on this today brett Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. After Global News at 7 o'clock, we will continue our 
Health Series, the Global News and 680 CJOB Health Series on mental health. And today's feature will focus on rising alcohol consumptions, consumption during the pandemic. And uh, in a moment, we want to discuss sidewalks. Uh, but Greg Mackling, before that, uh, what have you got for feedback on our text line at 204-780-6868? Well, we've got this text message from Erica with regard to the sidewalk. She says a couple of weeks ago before the snow was as bad as it is now, and on a particularly cold and windy day, I discovered an elderly woman nearly frozen to death. That's not hyperbole, because her walker was caught up on a piece of poorly plowed street since there wasn't a sidewalk available at all. On either side of the street, her only way of getting around was walking, and we are not far from amenities. We are on a main bus route, and we are very close to Regent, yet the sidewalks aren't a priority in any way, question mark. If I hadn't found her, she would have almost certainly died. I watched six cars drive past her as I panic-shoveled my way to her so she'd have a relatively clear way back to my car. With next to no snow last year, how is the budget even a question? This is a city planning issue, and they need to address it immediately. So, Loren, uh, that's going to be one of our big focuses today is uh, because we've been talking a lot about snow clearing. Our question of the day earlier this week had to do with uh, what, what, would you, what grade would you give the city? Uh, but today we're going to focus specifically on the sidewalks. Yeah, and look, we get it's not a new issue. We deal with snow every single year. Sometimes there's more snow sometimes there's less snow sometimes it comes all at once sometimes it's spread out so it allows crews to get the job done in an easier fashion so far this month we've had about 36 centimeters fall in january of this year and so it's posed some challenges in terms of getting that snow out getting it cleared getting those mounds out of the way just so it's not uh, dangerous when you creep out and then of course the sidewalks and one of the things is they clear the snow and maybe they even clear the sidewalk but then when another snowfall comes they clear the snow again running out of places to put it snow gets push back onto the sidewalks and it's creating some real problems for people has in the past will again but can we do better is one of the questions we are asking can we can we all maybe pitch in to do better brett yeah because um you know one of the things that i'm curious about on this uh, for example is the cost because i was talking to somebody the other day who who was saying like the city's got to do better and it had just snowed that morning and some of the sidewalks were were plowed in i said well like what what do you expect the city to do? Like just wave a magic wand and shout Expelliarmus and have the snow disappear. But in order to increase the amount of sidewalk clearing equipment, that would cost a lot of money. As Greg said, uh, some of these machines cost uh, tens of thousands of dollars. What did you say, GMAC, up to like 200 grand with all the bells and whistles? A couple hundred thousand bucks, yeah. Canadian, easy. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, I'd be curious to know what what it would cost the city to boost its armada of sidewalk clearing equipment. But I'm not an expert on this. I'm just a guy who walks a lot. I walk home from work. So I walk through downtown uh, to my home in Osborne Village. And I see all kinds of people with mobility issues. Like I'm an able-bodied person. And uh, I have said before, I I love winter walks because it's almost like a playground, right? you got the the crunching snow under your feet and it's fun. And I don't mind having to stomp through the snow, but I imagine what I see as kind of a playground could potentially be a a prison for for some people. If you have have difficulty walking or you simply can't walk, uh, that's 
got to be tough. Like I told the story, I think it was last winter, where there was a gentleman who was on like a, one of those motorized scooters, and he was. This was on Hargrave, and he was trying to get through the sidewalk, and he just like, he couldn't. I ended up having to push him from York all the way to Broadway on the street, no less. And that happens a lot, too, in Osborne Village. I see people on uh, motorized wheelchairs trying to get through on the sidewalk, and they can't, so they end up having to take to the street, street and that's so dangerous. Um, so, yeah, like it's, I get that the problem needs to be addressed, but at the same time, I don't know what the solution is other than to add more equipment, and then you need more people to run that equipment. So uh, it's a conversation that needs to happen. And one th- another thought that I had, and this is just a thought, okay? I'm not saying we should do this, but we heard from Hazel Boris a couple weeks ago from place- Placemakers. Um, we were talking about the, the river trail and the meditation maze at the Hugo, Hugo Dock, and she referenced how... Uh, Osborne Village and the surrounding neighborhood is one of the most densely populated neighborhoods in all of Western Canada. So if every person who was able-bodied just went downstairs with a shovel and even cleared just a few feet of snow, would we even need the sidewalk? So I was just thinking about that. That's not saying we should. I know we pay taxes for this kind of service, but um, if people were willing to do that, that's something I would be willing to do, Greg. Uh, people might call me crazy for it. Just, just thinking out loud. Well, according to, uh, I found a report here from Aldo Santin uh, from the Winnipeg Free Press from about five years ago. And in 2016, the city's budget for sidewalk snow clearing was $3.85 million. So it's obviously gone up from there. Well, that same year, they spent uh, $30 million for clearing the streets. So, you know, if it's it's 10% of the snow clearing budget or the equivalent roughly thereof, you, you know, to improve it, we're talking about, you know, to improve it by 30%. Are we talking about another million and a half dollars? Are we talking about $2 million in years like this? I, I, what is the expected? I think you ask a good question. What is the expected level of service? But also, let's get an idea of what it would, quote unquote, cost to do it right and it costs to do it the way that a lot of people would like to see it done. And then we can make a decision if we need to, you know, do we want A-level service, B-level service, but at least let's know what we're aiming for here because it feels like a moving target. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, would you like to win yourself some Santa Lucia pizza, $20 gift card? We want to ask you the question... Have you ever done something where you thought, why the heck did I do that? On Monday, I went to do some laundry, put all my clothes in the machine, grabbed my jug of Tide, opened the cap to put some in the machine, and then I realized I can't put soap in the dryer. I'd put my clothes in the dryer to start. Uh, So thankfully, I stopped myself before catastrophe occurred, but uh, I just wondered, like, why did I even do that? It was just mindless, just mindlessly doing. But I think we've all done something like that, perhaps. Let's find out. Let's go around the horn here. We've got the Jets commentary coming up in five minutes' time, by the way. Uh, Mr. Forte, why don't we start with you? For me, I was running low on in some dishwasher uh, detergent one time, so I thought I'd put uh, the... Dawn in, you know, the uh, dish oh, no. soap in. So oh. That just got really, really soapy, so I had to <laughs> drain the uh, dishwasher out and put towels underneath. 
when did you? I've done that. Don't feel bad, Forchie. I was like two months ago, <laughs> three months ago. How much soap are we talking? Like not even you- that much. I didn't know how soapy dish soap was. <laughs> it's dish soap. I was like, hey, you know, put a little dish soap in the dishwasher. You know, makes sense in a way. And yeah, I learned my lesson uh, very quickly. Jeff Braun, what about you? I'm bad for, I've done it several times where I'm going to the movies, so I leave the house, get in the car, start driving, and the next thing I know, I'm walking into a grocery store, and I'm thinking to myself all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I was going to the movies. I'm missing John Wick. (laughs) But I just inadvertently just drive to the grocery store, because that's where I go the most, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So did you make it to the movie? Oh, yeah. I just, you know, it's just a three-minute detour while I have to, like, run, quickly run back to the car and head her down to the theater. <laughs> uh, Pointress, what about you? Oh, God. I mean, you're asking me to choose one of these things. This is my entire life. I mean, I, I, I do this constantly all the time. Um, I mean, you mentioned driving. I take wrong turns. I never know. I know where I'm going, but I, I just, like, aimlessly start just driving. And, well, why didn't I turn there? Why am I still driving forward? Um, I'm, I'm constantly losing things at the house. Um yeah, I this I, I I'm constantly questioning everything I do. I start filling up water like the 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 Brita water, and I'll walk away. And I'm why did I walk away? It doesn't take long for it to fill up, but I walk away, and then the whole kitchen's uh, filled. I, you're, ma- you're a man with things on your mind, Cam. Yeah, way too many things, and none of them are that important. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Mackling. What about you? Uh, I guess the most blatant example of this was earlier this year. My kids go, go to separate schools and they're geographically separated by about 15 minutes. They're at least both on the east side of the city. I went to go pick up the wrong kid one day. I didn't need to pick him up, but just you get into that routine. So I ended up in St. Boniface needlessly when I needed to be in East Kildonan. And, uh, well, the kid I was supposed to pick up wasn't very happy with me. (laughs) And Loren? Well, just on a day-to-day basis, I'm constantly going upstairs or downstairs without remembering why I went upstairs or downstairs. And then I turn to whoever's closest and say, do you know why I'm here? In hopes that one of the kids can help figure out why I've entered said room. But I think I've told this story before. One of my more embarrassing moments is with my second born. He wasn't the greatest sleeper when he was a little baby and... And so I was exhausted. I know why I did it, but I went uh, to the mall just to walk around in winter and had the stroller and the baby and went to try some clothes on at the bay and didn't like any of them and then left the dressing room with just my shirt and boots on and no pants. So <laughs> it was a long sweater. So I think I can, and I was wearing boots, but I, and I didn't get styling. super far, but I got far enough where I was like, I don't have any pants on. So <laughs> nobody noticed. It, it, like, like my butt was covered. Everything was fine. It wasn't. I wasn't exposed to the world, but I left my pants off in the dressing room and then had to go back and ask them to unlock the dressing room because I left my pants in there. So that was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just remembering now I was uh, there was, when I was going to the University of Manitoba, I usually took the bus, but on this particular day I was driving and I picked up a friend. So we're, we're driving to the U of M, which is, of course, south uh, in South Winnipeg off Pemina Highway. And um, about 20 minutes into the ride, as I'm uh, on Higgins, 
west of Main Street, I'd say to my buddy Sean, like, where am I going? I was driving. I also worked at Polo Park at the time. I was driving to Polo Park like I was going to work, and we were 20 minutes late for our class. Autopilot, right? (laughs) It happens. You just start going, and you think to yourself, why am I here? Like Jeff at the grocery store. So when I was in high school, sorry, quickly, we had a teacher that told us he had recently moved and he was out late one night at a council meeting and on his way home, he drove back to the old house and it's a small <laughs> town and nobody locks their doors. And he got into the bedroom of the <laughs> old house he used to live in before the people that lived there like, who are you and why are you in our bedroom? <laughs> 204-780-6868. What kind of thing did you do that made you think, why did I do that? Now, the Global News and CJOB Health Series, presented by Body Measure. It is time to continue the Global News and 680 CJOB Health Series, focusing on mental health. And today's focus, Loren, is drinking. Oh, man, and we've been hearing a lot about this over the past couple of years because an increase in alcohol consumption has been one of the ways many Canadians have dealt with the f- effects of the pandemic, though few who drink might realize alcohol is also a carcinogen like tobacco. So a question we're asking this morning, should alcohol packaging come with warning labels? 630 Ched's Chris Brentlinger-Grant has more. For some, the impacts on mental health brought on by the pandemic, isolation, financial stress, grief of loss, or any combination of these may have led to an increase in alcohol consumption. Data from StatsCan on our mental health levels throughout COVID and the use of tobacco, cannabis, and alcohol showed that, quote, those who reported lower self-perceived mental health wellness levels were more likely to report increased consumption of cannabis, alcohol, and tobacco to navigate the uncertain times. Could this increased drinking lead to higher cancer rates in the future? Every part of human tissue that alcohol comes in contact with, or it's metabolite acetaldehyde, it's like a chemical that burns. So you imagine the sort of burning damage to cells in the body all the way through the digestive system, which then is repaired. So each time we have a drink, the body repairs the damage. Drink, repair, drink, repair. And each time there's an infinitesimal chance that that cell won't be replicated or the cells that are damaged won't be replicated the way they should. That's Dr. Tim Stockwell, a senior scientist with the Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research at the University of Victoria. Now, alcohol is considered a class one carcinogen in Canada, meaning consumption doesn't cause cancer at all times, under all circumstances, in all people. But packaging for tobacco, which is in the same category, comes with warning labels that are virtually impossible to miss, highlighting the dangers of lighting up. Smoking tobacco and its association with the risk of cancer is well documented, but consuming alcohol? Not so much. Why is that? It is a puzzling thing. You're not alone, not just in Canada, but in most countries of the world, there's deep wells of ignorance about this. In fact, only South Korea has put a warning label about cancer. And I think a lot of it can be placed on the door. Well, there's two parts. Alcohol's our favorite drug we don't want to hear. Policymakers don't want to hear as well, so they don't make policies. 
Um, there seems to be very difficult to get health information put on a label. I mean, we don't have calorie information. We don't have sugar. We have nothing. We have nice pictures of rolling vineyards and, you know, things that would make us want to buy the product. Nothing about the health effects. And the alcohol industry have worked very hard to keep it that way. From the perspective of alcohol producers and lobbyists, totally understood. But what could warning labels on alcohol containers look like? Dr. Stockwell knows as well as anyone because he made them. My colleague Erin Hobin from Public Health Ontario and I spent four years designing such labels. We had panels, um, we did studies of panels of people, focus groups, and we got the chance to trial them out in the Yukon in an experiment. And anybody can find them online. You might Google my name, Yukon Alcohol Warning Label, and you'll see three red and yellow, lovely bright um, warning labels. The first ones warned about cancer, breast cancer, cancer of the colon, and it was endorsed by the Medical Health Office of the Yukon. The next one was about drinking guidelines, a little picture of a man, a picture of a woman, how many drinks you could have on average in a day, two days off a week at least. Those were the old low-risk drinking guidelines. And then how many standard drinks are in a container, how you monitor that. Because we, most people don't have a flying clue about how many standard drinks are in their bottle. It's not labelled. But those labels in the Yukon aren't around anymore. The alcohol industry uh, went into overdrive and pressured the Yukon government. Uh, so we were, we hope to put these labels out for one month. Every alcohol container sold in the White Horse liquor store. It's the main liquor store in White Horse. Sells, sells about 95% of all the alcohol there. They had to put on by hand. Um, it lasted 30 days and the Yukon government was pressured by the wine industry, beer industry, spirits industry to take them off for, for fear of being dragged through the courts. They knew the case was right. The, the minister um, responsible for the decision came out public and said, we accept the evidence from the World Health Organization. We haven't got deep enough pockets to fight the court battle. It could go on for years. There are a lot of public service campaigns dedicated to putting a stop to potentially harmful things that people choose to do. Among them, don't drink and drive. Wear your seatbelt. Don't take up smoking tobacco. But Dr. Stockwell... Are you recommending that people avoid drinking entirely or more just that if a person decides to drink, that they be mindful of their consumption levels? It's much more the latter because this is a situation of informing people of risks so they can make their own mind up. I think we need to know things like if you do the averages game, every drink you have, um, if you're a light drinker, on average takes about five minutes off your life expectancy. So I think that that's the kind of information people need to be able to judge. Well, I like doing this an awful lot. How much of, you know, risk am I prepared to take? And then we, people make their own minds up. Literature from the Canadian and American cancer societies note that specific genetic, behavioral and underlying health factors each contribute to cancer development in a given person. And keep in mind the definition of a class one carcinogen. Consumption doesn't cause cancer at all times, under all circumstances, in all people. But Dr. Stockwell thinks that shouldn't stop us from putting as much thoroughly researched health information in the hands of consumers as possible. It's a tiny chance if you're a light drinker. It really is a tiny chance. But, you know, we deserve to know. And the chance actually does get large with the more you drink. It's, you know, so we should really be told about this. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm Chris Brantlinger-Grant. 
Well, knowledge is power and more information is better on stuff like this. Guys, I have to say, I personally had zero, none, no idea that alcohol was a class one carcinogen, zero knowledge of that until just now. So I can see why we are going to speak with the Canadian Cancer Society about their dry February campaign at 837 this morning. It is Labels is another thing. Sorry, I was just going to say, you can't buy a cannabis drink with any label on it besides the ingredients. Tobacco's the same way, and yet the alcohol bottles are, are all pretty with roses and beautiful labels and all the rest. I mean, it's food for thought for sure. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Miss McNabb, who are we talking to in our next segment? It's our monthly visit with Mayor Brian Bowman, and we've got some questions about snow clearing to get to, uh, bus shelters, the homeless population, and and efforts to help the most vulnerable. So if you've got a question for the mayor that you think we could try to sneak in, let us know. 780-6868. Lots of you already weighing in this morning on snow clearing and the struggles to use sidewalks in the city, but also lots of people weighing in on our question from our having coffee talking segment, Brett, about uh, things that they're, is it stupid? Say is it dumb things <laughs> you do when you're not thinking? I don't know how to nicely phrase this one. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to do it because it was inspired by the fact that uh, on a Monday I was doing laundry and I threw my clothes into the machine, went to put soap in the machine and realized I'd put my clothes in the dryer, uh, not, not the washing machine. I stopped myself, but uh, it was almost a calamity. And uh, one of our listeners, uh, just before we talk Jets uh, hockey with John Shannon here in a moment, uh, one of our listeners says, once bought a large package of ground beef from Costco, we then split it up and to freeze it into one pound portions, brain malfunctioned, found it the next day in the clothes dryer. <laughs> <laughs> so then I said, Hopefully they didn't run the dryer and it wasn't all cooked, a great big chili in the dryer. <laughs> well, I asked, did you toss it? And he says, uh, depends who you ask. My wife said, OMG, yes, chuck it. But she didn't complain when I made chili. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nobody got sick. Uh, so keep those texts coming for a chance to win the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Also, by the way, Amanda, uh, adding to the cancellations, Amanda telling us that Sunrise, uh, that she just got the call that uh, the school there is closed, uh, bus is not running. So Sunrise School Division as well. Um, we got a couple people uh, who confirmed, who mentioned that. So uh, that cancellations list is at cjob.com. In the meantime, Jets Wednesday, brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart. South Beach casino.ca and last night the Winnipeg Jets played their first home game since holy smokes December 19th that's correct Brett and uh, that's where the good news sort of ended unfortunately for the home team and their fans the Jets found themselves on the wrong side of a 5-3 score Florida Panthers in town to defeat the Jets ultimately they have now lost the Jets have five games in a row and have just four points in their last seven games John Shannon is a critical piece of our Jets coverage here on 680 CJOB. Good morning, John. Morning, folks. Before we dig into what's going on here in Winnipeg, that is some serious speed and pace with which the Florida Panthers play hockey. Very impressive. You know, you have to, you know, we always hear about difference between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference and and how things change uh, and, and players downplay it. But I'll tell you what, uh, the way Florida does play and the way some of the teams in the in the East play, like uh, the New York Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have to wonder if there is a different philosophy between the conferences. 
So the Jets continue to struggle. And I know if you knew the answer to this, you might hold a different job, John. But but any idea what's at the heart of this? What's going on with this team? Well, um, for, first of all, if, if you look at the plight of most teams that go on one of these awful Eastern swings and they end up going through murderer's row, uh, like uh, Winnipeg has, Calgary has, Vancouver has, Edmonton has. Um, when you go to the Boston and Washington and Pittsburgh and Nashville, uh, you're you're not going to win four in a row. Um, your your job is to survive the road trip, uh, and the, the Jets were on the verge of surviving the road trip. And unfortunately, it uh, to me the biggest disappointment was. Uh, the game in Pittsburgh where they did have the lead and then gave it up with two goals, seven, seven or nine seconds apart, whatever it was. Um, so, so that's one thing. Uh, when you do come home and you, and, you, and you do end up facing somebody else uh, who's just as desperate as you are because Florida was on a bad swing too. And, and they, are, they were desperate and they don't have a good road record, but they are still one of the best teams in hockey. So to me, it's more coincidence than it is anything else. The team has played pretty well for Dave Lowry. And there is, you can see a difference in the style of play. Uh, I, I, I do have a couple of concerns. Uh, I think the biggest one has to be Connor Hellebuck and when, when do they find some help for him, uh, if that's possible. Uh, but to me, I, I, I'm not playing too much into losing five games. Everybody in the league goes through it. And it's just the Jets' turn. So if we can, maybe we can look to some positives, John. We can talk about Kyle Connor scoring his 23rd goal of the oh, season. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois had his 18th. Cole Perfetti assisted in all of them. Does he stick around? Is Cole here to stay? Well, at this point he is. I mean, let's face it. He's been a, he's been a nice little surprise. The fans, the fans are right. But, uh, you know, when, earlier in the season when they were clamoring for him to be in the lineup. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's there is a little bit of, uh, uh, of of a caution I would put into that because the ups and downs of being a professional hockey player at Cole's age uh, make it a challenge. Just look at the other Cole in the in the NHL, Cole Caulfield, who had such a great playoff uh, and then uh, really has not performed very well uh, for Montreal uh, this season. The other one is I I I think Blake Wheeler has come back from his injury and played pretty well too. I, I think that that's that could be viewed as a a bit of a positive in all this needs to get healthy again. You know, they need Nick Ehlers back in the lineup. Uh, there, you know, they, the, the Morrissey being out last night was a bit of a disappointment or a, a shock, but doesn't everybody go through that at some point uh, this season? So there, you know, the, the variables that happen, uh, the roller coaster that is an 82 game schedule, a rescheduled 82 game schedule uh, is just a fact of life in the NHL and the Jets are going through it. John Shannon, a part of our Jets coverage team here on 680 CJOB. John, thank you very much for joining us. I just, I'm just taking the ground beef out of the dryer, guys. So don't, uh, <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't keep. Uh, I cannot believe anybody did that. <laughs> I cannot believe anybody did that. That's they're, they're just making stories up to be on the radio in the morning. <laughs> John Shannon with some expert analysis on our contest for this morning. Thank you very much, John. Oh, I hear some Iron Maiden. That must mean it's time to say hello to Mayor Brian Bowman. Mr. Mayor, good morning to you, sir. 
Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. And thank you very much for joining us this morning. And one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is uh, sidewalks and snow clearing. And I know there's been a lot of snow this year. And uh, you can't, the plows can't be everywhere at all times. But we're, we've been hearing from a lot of frustrated people when it comes to snow clearing. And not just the roads, but the sidewalks. We, we mm-hmm. talked to you about this back in the fall. So we're curious, in your conversations with council and and those who do this work, have we come up with a solution to get some of these sidewalks cleared more uh, more quickly? Yeah, I mean, you're you're right to acknowledge that we. I mean, there's a lot of snow this year that's fallen. I mean, we've had more snowfall already uh, at this point in our winter than all of last year, and so it's been. Um, it's it, it, it's quite an effort that's underway right now. Um, we've actually cleared 13, over 13,000 lane kilometers of roadway, back lanes and sidewalks and pathways uh, to your question already. And that's, that's more than the distance of a round trip from Vancouver to Halifax. And so crews continue to, uh, to haul that away. I know that they've, they've been hitting the boulevards and, and uh, taken away uh, over 40,000 cubic meters from boulevards. That's 16 Olympic size swimming pools so far and that work's going to continue in the coming weeks one of one of the things to your question though that we made a change as a policy at city hall um during during certainly my term was to better prioritize uh the streets and sidewalks uh than had been done in the past so there there wasn't a kind of that connection between the prioritization that we see with roads with streets uh with sidewalks and so what we have now is we do have a you're, you're right to say we can't clear them all at the same time. That would be, that would be ideal. I <laughs> know we'd all welcome that. But what the crews are doing is they, they are clearing the, the streets, the back lanes, the sidewalks, the active transportation paths based on a priority system beginning with the priority one. So these are the regional streets, major routes, adjacent sidewalks, and active transportation paths. And then they move to a priority Two, which are bus routes, collector streets, adjacent sidewalks, and active transportation paths. And the improvement that we made was to to connect the 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 AP, so the sidewalks, with those priority one streets. Um, of course, we're still going to analyze how effective is the policy, where can improvements be made. Winnipeggers expect a lot, and they deserve they deserve. A great service. And so Winnipeggers are going to voice their criticisms when they feel it's warranted. Um, and we should be listening and open to continue to make improvements to the policy going forward. Mayor Bowman, Michael Cantor has joined us uh, graciously on our program, all uh, shows on 680 CGOB over the last couple of weeks. And I heard him say the other day that it takes two and a half days to completely, you know, do a, a plow of the of the priority one. And I think the priority two streets, what do you think the reaction would be from Winnipeg taxpayers? If roads were cleared in the same fashion as sidewalks were in terms of how they end up being left and how they, they end up being uh, over a short amount of time. I'm sorry. So maybe, maybe if you can just repeat the question, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm answering it. What do you, do you the sidewalks are a disaster in a lot of of neighborhoods in Winnipeg, including downtown. What do you think the reaction would be if the streets were in the same condition as the sidewalks? Um, well, I mean, let's acknowledge 
streets and sidewalks are different. They have different equipment, but uh, we get reaction from people, both positive and critical, with both streets and sidewalks when folks don't feel that they're being cleared quickly enough or in, in, in a, you know, as, as good a way as, as, as people expect. And so what we do at council is we set the policy. It's, it's a unique part of our budget because unlike other parts of our operating budget, uh, we don't, we don't cap the amount that is, is spent on operations as it relates to snow clearing. We say, here's the policy, go, go meet this policy. And then we, we assess. So is the the policy sufficient then Mayor Bowman when it comes to sidewalks? Well, that's, that's what we're going to continue to analyze. That's why we made changes, because in the past, um, there, there wasn't that connection between priorities. So you would have P1, so you'd have these major regional routes, you know, Portage Avenue, Henderson, Pemina Highway. You'd have them prioritized, but the, the immediate adjacent sidewalk or active transportation amenity, many of which we've been building in recent years, were not prioritized. We made that change because... Obviously, we want people to be able to get around. We're a winter city during winter. And so the question that you can expect to have uh, raised at our IRPW committee is how well is the policy being implemented and are there improvements that need to be made to the policy? And what I'm saying to you right now is we should be open to that. Absolutely. Do we have a cost to date, Mr. Mayor, for what it's cost so far? I know it was way up in November because we had that snowfall. We were still waiting for December totals. Should we have a way to be a bit more transparent with the cost coming in, you know, so that we know very quickly what the clearing is con- costing taxpayers? Because that might help the conversation, too, if people had a sense of real-time data that way. Yeah, I mean, we do report in a transparent way. I mean, the budget is a matter of public record, and we also live stream the committee that gets a regular update on snow clearing operations, but also there, our finance committee does get regular updates. Um you know, and again, like I said, unlike other aspects of our budget, we we have told uh, the direction from council for our public service has has always been since I've been elected, and I think it it predates my terms in in office. Here's the policy: go meet it, and we reconcile the budget. We work within a balanced budget. This one, when it comes to snow clearing in a winter city, uh, there is no cap to the operational uh, uh, funding that's made available to support that policy. Mayor Brian Bowman, that's all the time we have. We thank you very much for joining us this morning. Okay, thanks, guys. Stay safe. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are going to continue our global news and 680 CJOB health series in just a moment as it pertains to alcohol consumption. But one of the other big things we're talking about today, Greg, has to do with snow and sidewalks, specifically clearing that snow away. Enjoy. Yeah, and I know I was a little, I know I was a little bit hard on the mayor over that. And this is just something I'm pretty passionate about, and I think I'm a, as passionate about it because you're passionate about it, Brett. And uh, so thanks for, for taking me down that uh, path, uh, quite literally, because I, I think it's important stuff. And there are a lot of people who are concerned about it. But we had this feedback at 780-6868. I'm going against the grain here, but I think the city of Winnipeg has done an excellent job clearing the streets and sidewalks. And by the way, my wife is disabled and has trouble stepping up onto a curb. So I'm not just preaching to uh, those of us that can walk, but my wife is 
uh, uh, disabled and has trouble wa walking. So thanks for sharing that uh, very personal take on it, John. And Loren, coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock, we're going to speak uh, to a family with some ex direct experience in this, yes? Yeah, it's a mom and dad are going to join us. Their daughter uses a wheelchair, and, and they have a different experience. In fact, they say on the best of days, it's difficult to navigate some of the, the sidewalks in a wheelchair. So it, it always depends on your perspective. Of course, it just depends on how you're feeling about things in life. It depends on maybe your neighborhood, but keep that feedback coming, 780-6868. Now, the Global News and CJOB Health Series, presented by Body Measure. So we want to continue the conversation that we started at 7.05 today as it pertains to alcohol consumption, because we've got some sobering statistics to share with you on alcohol use in this country. And there's no pun intended with this statement. We know that alcohol use is up in the pandemic. Just this week, Angus Reid put out a poll uh, with results showing that 47% of Canadians say that alcohol abuse is a problem in their social circles. But one of the things that I think some people might be learning for the first time this morning is the link between alcohol and cancer. And in fact, that's why the Canadian Cancer Society is challenging Canadians to go alcohol-free in February. Lena Chicotelli is the Director of Campaigns and Fundraising for the Canadian Cancer Society and joins us now. Good morning, Lena. Good morning. So let's start with that link between alcohol and cancer. What do we know? Absolutely. So I think it's really important to understand that two in 10 Canadians drink alcohol daily. And as you mentioned, only one in three Canadians are aware that there is a direct link between alcohol consumption and their increased risk in cancer as a result. Um, the reality is drinking any type of alcohol increases your risk of cancer, um, whether it um, be head and neck cancer, breast cancer, stomach cancer, liver cancer, and so on. And so really, um, we encourage people to get informed and make those informed decisions um, and, you know, um, join us as we uh, go dry this February, uh, creating awareness, encouraging everybody to abstain from alcohol um, and really, um, you know, resulting in other benefits. Not only are you reducing your cancer risks, but you're also, um, you know, sleeping better. You have more energy. Uh, abstinence can create weight loss. So it's really a win-win for everyone. Yeah, dry January is sort of a thing. I know amongst a lot of my friends, uh, in terms of the weight loss in particular, and maybe overindulging over the holidays, Lena, but uh, your own poll shows or shows rather, more than 30% of Canadians are drinking more during the pandemic. How concerned should we be about that? Absolutely. So I think, you know, with the pandemic, we've seen an onset of individuals drinking um, more. And I think, you know, some of that is tied to the fact that we are all kind of, um, you know, bunker down in our homes. Um, and, you know, we're bored, we're stressed. Um, we don't have regular schedules as we did um, previous to the pandemic. And so um, we're seeing that 46% uh, of Canadians are consuming more alcohol um, and they're also concerned with their health. We do also know that uh, based on our studies that 29% of Canadians um, who consume alcohol intend to drink less in uh, 2022, which is great news. Um, and with that said, we know that 65% intend to drink the same amount. Um, and unfortunately, 6% tend to uh, intend to drink more this year. So dry February, is the push to go alcohol-free all month? 
Well, you have actually the opportunity to select the challenge that works best for you. So we recognize that going dry for the entire month is not for everyone. So you have the opportunity to select your time frame, whether it's 21 days, 14 days, seven days, whatever suits you best and um, your lifestyle. So we really do have options for everyone uh, with the dry Feb challenge. So with the dry challenge, I mean, is there a hope that maybe that turns into more of a a long-term habit, Lena? Because I think on the opposite end, we talk about more Canadians drinking in this pandemic, and you wonder how many will return to better, healthier habits when we get through this. And the odds might be low that the people who are drinking more suddenly decide to drink less in the months ahead. And it is all about that habit forming, whether it be good or bad. So potentially, if you attempt a dry January, or February rather, do you do studies show that that leads to less drinking overall? Absolutely. So based on our poll um, from participants last year, 72% who participated in the challenge last year indicated that they had changed their um, drinking habits and were, were looking to do that for the long term. So it really does allow people to kind of reset their habits and um, come out from the challenge with a positive approach and in the reduction of alcohol consumption going forward. Lena, how important are conversations like this one in terms of just educating people about what the risks are with regard to cancer and also the overall impact uh, consuming too much alcohol can have in their lives? I mean, I think um, the, the benefits are incredible. I think really, you know, um, educating Canadians, um, ensuring that everyone is aware of the direct risk between alcohol consumption um, and increasing your cancer risk. We do know that, you know, nearly half of Canadians will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And so, um, you know, reducing your risks um, play an important role in, the, in, the, in those statistics. Um, and really, you know, that's what we're looking and encouraging Canadians to do is to um, to really evaluate and make those informed decisions and, and healthy decisions um, while at the same time, you know, um, reducing their cancer risks in the long term. I'm sorry, Lena, is there a specific cancer that, that is the greatest risk uh, as it pertains to drinking or does it just contribute to all cancers? Well, it contributes. It contributes to several types of cancers, so in particular, the risk of head and neck um, cancer, breast cancer, stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, and colorectal cancer in particular. Um, But overall, um, alcohol consumption does have an impact on um, cancer in general. Lena, I want to thank you for your time and raising awareness about this. And, you know, one of the things I think that people have been talking about this morning as well is just sort of the love affair we might have with alcohol. And I don't know if you want to weigh in on this or not, but we talked at 7 o'clock about labels. Tobacco has labels on it warning people of the different diseases you can get. Uh, Cannabis drinks don't have any fancy labels on them. They're not even allowed to advertise the name of their drink. And alcohol seems to have different rules. Would it help? in the society's opinion, to have labels on wine and beer and rum that maybe had a bit more information about the bad side effects? Well, so I think really, you know, it's important to educate Canadians on the risk of alcohol and, um, you know, um, ensuring that they're fully aware of that. Um, And our role at the society is to educate and empower people to make those decisions, those informed decisions. Um, As I mentioned, we know that one in three Canadians are aware of this direct link between alcohol and cancer, and we support efforts in raising that awareness and increasing that um, awareness across um, 
the impacts of alcohol consumption. I think warning labels um, are certainly a good step in promoting that awareness and that risk. Lena Ciccatelli, Director of Campaigns and Fundraising for the Canadian Cancer Society, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And our question of the day at cjob.com has to do with alcohol. It's brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Alcohol consumption is the focus of our mental health series today. It is on the rise in Canada. Are you drinking more? And your options are yes, significantly. Yes, but minimal increase. The same or less. So you can cast your vote, cjob.com. We've put it up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. Uh, and it's a close race so far. We've got 37% say the same, 33% say less, 16% say yes significantly, and 14% say yes but minimal increase. So that's uh, at cjob.com. And you can weigh in on text as well, like this one listener who says, I did uh, Sober October this past year, and I enjoyed it. I think I'm going to do it every year. And I know a few people who have said that, uh, Loren, uh, that they they feel so much better after they go that stretch of time without it. Yeah, I've done actually uh, dry Januaries in, in years past. I didn't do one this year. I am going to do this dry February. I'm saying it out loud in public now because I, I enjoyed how I felt after and it did kind of reset the clock, so to speak. It reset the system so that that, the old habits went away. And I think that that's what it can do. She says it can lead to a longer-term benefit. And so I'm going to give it a shot. Ask me how it's going in a week. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Shot. No pun intended there either. I'm not going to do shots. (laughs) We are giving away a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza based on your texts, your stories of the dumb things that you've done and you've wondered, why, like, why did I do that? Like, one of my friends yesterday almost put on eye cream on her toothbrush instead of toothpaste. And Uliana had something similar. Uh, she said that she had some some hand cream that she almost put on her instead of uh, toothpaste. So uh, you can keep those texts coming. Like Mike, who says, my dad... He used to call me the dumbest smart kid he ever met, and now and again I prove him right by pushing that door clearly marked pull. And Mike, I do this almost every day in our building here at 201 Portage. We have some big glass doors downstairs <laughs> with the, the big sort of the, law, the kind of tall handle that sticks out. And you grab it and you just instinctively want to, you know, you want to pull that handle. Uh, but even though it says uh, push right in front of me, so... <sighs> Thanks, Mike. I feel uh, better knowing that I'm not alone in that. Um, Oh, and a heads up, I see the Bank of Canada keeping its key interest rate target on hold at uh, 0.25%, but warning it won't stay there for much longer. Difficult on a good day. That's how our next guests describe their efforts to get some fresh air in this city. Yeah, so their daughter is 15 years old. She uses a wheelchair, and with so much snow this winter, and and especially this past month, they're really finding it almost impossible to use the sidewalks in some parts of the city. And so we want to say hello to Kylie Remillard. Good morning, Kylie. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And, of course, hello to her husband, Ernie. How's it going, Ernie? Good morning. Really well. How are you? We're good. Thank you. And we thank you for taking the time to share your experiences. And, and Kylie, maybe you can just tell us a bit about your daughter, Ayla. How often do you guys try to get outside and and uh, how are you feeling when you do? 
So we like to get outside every day um, through the pandemic, especially just for mental health. And um, we found that with the colder weather and with a lot more snow, it's becoming a lot harder. Our daughter has a a rare genetic disorder, severely disabled, and um, she's 100% dependent on us. So getting out on a normal day is very difficult with dressing. So when by the time you get out, it's just with all the snow and trying to get her in a wheelchair, get her down, and get into the treacherous of the, the snow, it's very difficult to push her in that on a regular day, let alone with all the snow that we've had lately. Ernie, it's Greg here. Paint us a picture, if you will, of your neighborhood and and the setup of your home and and just some of the challenges and and whether or not this is uh, unique, the the situation you're finding this year uh, to this year versus others. Yeah, for sure, Greg. Thanks. Um, Yeah, we live in a great part of the city there uh, near St. Vital Mall. And the biggest thing we enjoy with our daughter is being able to uh, take her out on the trails all the time and they're the beautiful paved trails in Winnipeg and I feel on a good year Winnipeg does a really good job of having um, accessible trails for people with disabilities but this year in particular we have a team of respite um, people that help us out as well and um, it's just one last thing we can do that the actual sidewalks are really clogged with ice and wheelchairs aren't built for uh, Winnipeg climate so it's one of those where um you're really restricted. You can't do much, and you end up taking a wheelchair on the road, which is, of course, very dangerous. Um, and it's something for the whole family to do. There's very few things that we can all do as a family, and it's one of those uh, really important things to us. When our daughter gets in her wheelchair and she's outside, she, you just see the calm come over her body, and she's just a completely different child, and she just uh, is at peace. So, it's yeah, this year has been very different, I'd say, than most years. Uh, through the pandemic, et cetera. Most years in Winnipeg, we've found the last couple of years just uh, really, really great access to the sidewalk. But this year, it's, it's, it hasn't been that way at all. And it, just in terms of the, the overall amount of snow that we've had this year, I mean, the plow crews have been busy at, on a seemingly constant basis. Sure. Uh, sure. So do you, do you sort of, is there a, a part of you that at least kind of understands why things have, have gotten worse this year? Hundred percent. You always try to step back and realize what other people are going through. For sure, there's only so many dollars to go around. But uh, at the end of the day, as well, I feel Winnipeg's kind of one of those inclusive communities that really it's really important to see people with disabilities out and about in our community. Uh, like my wife Kylie said, there's a huge mental health component to this, and um, I feel Winnipeg really wants to see everyone out and being active. And um, it's something that we noticed through COVID that we really have to try to find a way to keep those sidewalks clean and find a way to get people outside and staying moving with those um, mobility with the wheel with the wheelchairs, et cetera, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you, you paint such a good picture of your daughter smiling, the smile that breaks out on her face when she's outside and with the family out on out and about. And I, you know, people might forget, it feels like all the days have blurred together in some respects in this pandemic. But at one point mm-hmm. we actually shut down more streets to allow for more active transportation because people were looking for spaces to get out and, and to be distanced. And then we went away from that and we go back and forth with this active transportation stuff all the time, Kylie. But if there's something you want anyone out there to hear what would it be this morning when it comes to just how important clear sidewalks are to you and your family it's very important just being able to get out and freely walk safely on our sidewalks and know that we're not having to trudge through um, large amounts of snow or 
feeling unsafe that, you know, one of us might slip or her wheelchair can't push through and then we need another person. So two of us now are having to go on the walk. I mean, um, just keeping our sidewalks clean and keeping it accessible for all people um, so that we're not cooped up inside. That you know, that's my opinion. Ernie, does Hummer make a wheelchair? Do we need to do some fundraising here and, and get your daughter get your daughter a, a a little bit of a four by four wheelchair or something here? I don't even yeah, think you, a motorized wheelchair would make it through. <laughs> yeah, if you guys can pull some strings for us, that'd be fantastic. I think we need to remember too. We're just one family, right? There is there's hundreds of Winnipeg families that are dealing with the same thing. So it's not just us. And it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. You don't want anybody cooped up all the time. And I mean, I, I find in Winnipeg, if you just, we just dress her up and bundle her up and she, it doesn't minus, matter if it's minus 30, we're still outside all the time. So it's one of those things. It's also very hard if you're forced to always be in a sled all the time, then you're forced to, um, it's really hard on our respite nurses' backs and our backs and that sort of thing. So it's not a long-term solution. That's for sure as well. Well, Kylie Remillard and Ernie Remillard, we appreciate you both joining us this morning. Thank you uh, for sending us the the note that triggered this conversation. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Take care. And you can weigh in as well at 204-780-6868. We've had people on both sides, some saying, you know, what do you expect the city to do? And others saying the sidewalks are awful. Uh, so we appreciate uh, the conversation it, because it's been a tough it's been a tough winter uh, on the roads and on the sidewalks. So you can continue to join us in that chat. And we'll have more on this throughout the day on 680 CJOB. But in a moment, we're going to check your forecast and then give away... Our $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza based on the things that make you wonder why. Why did I do that? That was dumb. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, we are asking you about the dumb things you've done where you just wondered, like, what am I doing? Why did I, why did I put the milk in the pantry and the cereal in the fridge? And um, we, our winner came in at the last second. It was, it's as though it was, came out of the, this past weekend's NFL contest where everything came, came down to the wire. Um, nice. So Greg's going to read our winner in just a moment. But Loren, why don't you start us off with Loren's text? I always get so confused when I have to say that name. So anyway, <laughs> I'm getting ready to leave the house and the phone rings. So I'm talking while putting on my coat, getting my keys. And I just keep talking. I lock the door. I get in the car and I keep talking. I back out. I drive down the street. I keep talking. Then all of a sudden the phone goes dead. I locked up the house, got ready to go, drove away with the cordless phone <laughs> to my head. I thought I was talking on my cell phone, Lauren says. I couldn't call them back because I left the cell phone at home and <laughs> How often does that happen to anyone, I ask? For me, that's actually happened twice today. <laughs> um, hopefully no more, though, because you can't be talking on your phone while you're driving, Lorraine. Hey? Um, Beth says, I am one of those people who often forgets where I've parked the car. A couple of years ago in Portage Place parking garage, I had no idea where I left my car. But I was pretty sure it was on the first level. So after walking all around and not finding it, I used the remote alarm on my keychain. I could hear the car beeping far away, seemingly on the other side of the garage, walking over there. Still couldn't find it. So I used my remote alarm again. And it was then when I realized it was on the lower level. So when I got down there, I used the alarm again to try to locate the car. Finally saw it. And walking up to it, I realized... 
There was a security guard standing beside my car. He was checking that the car was not in the process of being stolen. And very embarrassingly, I reassured him the car was mine. And I guess I looked flustered enough that he believed me. So, Beth, you are not alone as evidenced by our winning story from Bob, Greg. Yeah, and uh, Beth, you have a pretty good uh, remote control there. Holy crow, to go uh, from uh, one level to the other. Bob says this. This is more of a confession, shall we say. I went to Canadian Tire and parked in the row closest to the main entrance. I went in and made my purchase and came out to where I thought my car was. (laughs) I could not find it, even though I was positive where I'd parked it. I was convinced it was stolen. I called my wife to let her know, and she said, oh, oh, no, all her work was in the trunk. That's when it hit me. I was driving her car and was literally standing right beside it as I called her to let her know it had been stolen. For quite a while to live that one down. Well, Bob, now you have uh, a little bit of pizza to soften the blow. Oh, man. I have absolutely gotten in the wrong car before or attempted to use the key on the wrong car. I don't know if I've been standing next to my car, though, and unable to locate it. That's a good one, Bob. (laughs) Great job, Bob. Congratulations to you, sir. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.